you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. The day was November 21st, circa 1873, when an ocean liner known as the Ville du Havre was crossing the Atlantic Ocean. Aboard was the, light, was the wife rather, of a lawyer, Mrs. Spafford. You see, she was aboard with her four daughters when the Villa du Havre collided with another ship. It was an absolute tragedy. The ship began to sink, and their four daughters died in those, the, those muddy waters of perhaps confusion for the family. Mrs. Spafford survived the calamity. And she telegraphed to her husband saying, our four daughters are gone. What am I to do? Mr. Spafford instantly booked the next available ship to the very same spot to join his grieving wife. And while on this ship, there came a point in the journey that the captain called to Mr. Spafford to join him in the captain's quarters. He said, Mr. Spafford, he said, our boat is above the very place where that ship went down. And when your daughters died in those waters, looking upon these waters of deep pain, his heart grieved as he pinned, as he pinned rather, these words.
mercies. Come on, would you thank him for his grace today? Would you thank him today? Would you thank him today? Hallelujah, Jesus. What words that that author penned amidst the calamity of losing four daughters, the confusion of those muddy waters of tragedy, that he would pin those words as a praise to God. All is well with my soul. Would you be seated? The road to Calvary was not a street of gold. It was not one of precious stone. Perhaps a dirt path laid the way for Jesus as he carried his cross to that gruesome hill called Golgotha. It was when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem that he entered not riding upon a beautiful white horse as a king would. Rather, he entered that city on a borrowed donkey. Jesus born in a borrowed horse trough, buried in a borrowed tomb. Isaiah 53 verse 5 prophesies of this man Jesus, God in flesh. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and antiquated with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. The road to following Jesus is not a road of fame and luxury. It, it was Jesus that said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Today, I'd like to preach a simple message into your hearing, a message that caused me to lay awake until 3.30 this morning, asking God what it is, what it means to follow him. I'd like to preach this message. I'd like to preach a message entitled, Shame in sacrifice. You see, it was the devil's agenda that he would be like the most high God. Isaiah 14 verse 14 says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Hollywood is full of many so-called stars. This phrase is often referenced all throughout the history of Hollywood and media, we speak of movie stars. The, ho the Hollywood Walk of Fame consists of over 2,600 five-pointed stars. Plaques acknowledging the worldly success of these many individuals deemed as stars. You see, Satan too was once a star, the name Lucifer literally means the light bringer. He was cast out of heaven, as we call it, he was a falling star. Revelation 9-1 records, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. This is speaking of Satan. Isaiah 14, verse 12 how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, O light bringer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken 
the nations. It said, Lucifer, you were once a star. How is it that you were cast from heaven? How is it that you, the, 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 the star, cast into that bottomless pit? Children are taught at a young age to wish upon stars, often wishing to become these so-called stars, seeking after the, the affirmation of this world. Many set out to achieve selfish ambitions, desiring the world, the world's stage and its applause. Can I tell you today that the road to fame and fortune is glittered with falsified happiness. It is a path that many die unfulfilled, lost, broken, and hopeless. Can I remind you today that what goes up must come down. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Fame will get you nowhere in this life. The affirmation, the stage of this world, the world stage as they would call it, leaves many broken, leaves many who die still seeking for the applause and the affirmation of man. They try to fill a void that cannot be filled by the applause of man. And they go their life performing for audiences, wanting to hear the cheer, the the applause, the hand clap of the world about worldly things, seeking for, for a very, very similar affirmation that Lucifer himself was seeking after. They say, I too can be like the Most High. I too can achieve worldly success. I too can stand before arenas of, of twenty tens and, and twenties of thousands of people. I too can, can, can generate the applause of man, but can I tell you that on their deathbed, that, that few feel truthfully fulfilled, but that many lie there wondering why that the world could not fulfill the void within them. Many lie there wondering why that the applause of man could not fill the gaps in the void in their lives. They seek after it. They, they, they go after that walk of fame, but fame gets them nowhere. May I remind you today that a Grammy can't save you in an Oscar can't offer you anything. The road to following Jesus is only one red carpeted of the blood shed on Calvary. No man will lay out a red carpet before you. There will be no applause of man. It is not a road to fame and to fortune. But can I tell you that the road of fame and fortune, the ways of this world leadeth to destruction. The red carpet of man will lead you to nowhere, but the blood-stained path of Calvary will lead you anywhere that you must go. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I to thee. Give I in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I'm paraphrasing that scripture. One may say, 
say, I live to make my name great, yet we live to proclaim God's name great. The road to follow Christ is not one of Rolls Royces, Rolex watches, and Louis Vuitton bags. I don't want a brand name item. I want a brand name Jesus. Take it all and give me Jesus. Take the luxuries of this world and give me Jesus. Listen, I know we enjoy our name brand suits, but the garment of godliness is one of sackcloth. Daniel 9 verse 3 says it like this, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth is a rough and unpleasing material woven of goat's hair. It was not by no means a fashionable attire. Sackcloth represented shame, the garment of repentance. While ashes were referencing that spirit of sacrifice, when they would fast, they would clothe themselves in the attire of sackcloth. It was an, enti- an attire that was not pleasing. It was not, it, it was perhaps the opposite of their attire that, that, that represented luxury of that time. It was no Hugo Boss sackcloth, but it was a sackcloth that was poorly woven. It was woven of gates hair. It was not something that was desired of this world, yet he would clothe himself in sackcloth and ashes, and he would humble himself before the Lord. Sackcloth represented shame, while the ashes represented sacrifice. It is upon this note that today I want to preach to you shame and sacrifice. Taryn, would you help me out today? We brought a piece of sackcloth As you can see, sackcloth is not something that is beautiful. Sackcloth is something that is poorly woven. It was not something that was desired of man. It was not something that was pleasing of man. It did not represent luxury. It did not represent that which was brand name, but it represented shame and sacrifice. Taryn, I want to tell you, buddy, that the road to follow Jesus is not a road that will lead you to fame and fortune, but it is a road of shame and of sacrifice. Taryn, I want to tell you that the road to following Jesus won't get you private jets and limousines, but it is a road of shame and of sacrifice. Taryn, I want to tell you that the road to following Jesus will not grant you the applause of this world, but it is a road of shame and sacrifice. You see, buddy, when they would fast, they would put on the garment of sackcloth and they would become little in the eyes of man to become great in the eyes of God. Can I tell you that ministry is becoming little in the eyes of man to become great in the eyes of God. When they would put on the sackcloth, they would remove the luxury garments of that day. When they would put on the sackcloth, they would present themselves a living sacrifice. When they would put on the sackcloth, 
cloth, they would humble themselves before the Lord, saying, God, I am nothing, and you are everything. May I remind a saint of God today that the garment of godliness is not one of luxury. We do not follow after Jesus to follow after fame and fortune, but it is one of sacrifice and one of sackcloth. We are in a season of prayer and fasting as a church. We do not fast for man's approval, but it is one of sackcloth and sacrifice. We do not put on godliness for man's applause, but it is one of sackcloth and of sacrifice. The road to following Jesus isn't always easy. We Sometimes we seek after the, the affirmation of the, the, this world, but can I tell you that the road to following Jesus is one of sacrifice. Sometimes there are things that we must give up and things that we must set aside. Sometimes we must put our career on the back burner. Sometimes we must set worldly finances aside and say, God, I'm giving you all that I am. Sackcloth was rough, unpleasing, woven of goat's hair. It was the attire of sacrifice. Can I tell you, saint of God, that we must take up our cross and go and follow him. The road to following Jesus is not one that will be a, a, a yellow brick road of luxury. You will not skip down the road to following Jesus. Sometimes there are things that we must sacrifice. Relationships we must put away. Places we just will not go. Things we just will not do. It is the road of sacrifice. But less in the kingdom, less in the world's kingdom is more in the kingdom of God. Job 13 verse 15 says though he slay me yet will I trust thee I will maintain my own ways before him similar to the song that I open this message with Job was saying though I have been slayed though I have been crucified though I have gone through the attacks of Satan though I have had to endure the these things, though he slay me, yet will I trust thee. Similar to the song Job was saying, though sickness and disease and pain and trial has come my way, it is well, it is well with my soul. The late Reverend James Kilgore a man of God preached a message at Because of the Times 1990 entitled Humility. During the duration of his message, he wore a piece of sackcloth and he preached a message of humility. He was one of the most humble. was a man that sacrificed everything to follow Jesus. 
You see, when my father was in Bible college, there was a place where many of the students went to get their hair cut. It was the hot spot in the town. It was the cheapest and the best. It was the place that you went to get your high and tight. It, it, some of y'all don't even know what that is. It was the place you went to, to get the, the on-point haircut, to, to, to get the, 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 the newest, the greatest, the best, but the cheapest haircut. And many of the Bible college students would attend. There was one day that my father sat waiting to get his haircut in that barber shop in Texas. And you see Reverend James Kilgore, he walked in. He was a great man of God. He was highly esteemed by the students of that Bible college. And when he walked in, being a great man of God, every student stood as they would if the president walked in the room. And they began to, to react to the presence of Reverend James Kilgore. He was a true man of God. They began to give up their appointments to offer their seats, to, to put themselves in the back of the line to tell him to go before them. Brother Kilgore, go before us. Brother Kilgore, take my appointment. Brother Kilgore, I want you to go before me. And that great man of God, highly esteemed in Pentecost, said, no, I won't. And he sat in the back of that line and he waited his turn. It was a few minutes later that after receiving his haircut, many students wanted to talk to him, wanted to hear from the reverend, wanted to hear what he had to say. Brother Kilgore went to a closet and he took out a broom and there was hair scattered across the floor from the students that had received haircuts that day. It was the job of the woman that cut the hair to sweep up that hair. And this man of great faith, this highly esteemed man took that broom and he began to sweep up his hair. Not his hair alone, but he began to sweep the hair of other students that lied on that floor. No one had asked him. No one had tipped him. No one had paid him. It was a message of humility that though he was a great man highly esteemed in the kingdom, though he was a great man of faith, though he was a man that many of us today wish he was alive, that we could sit with him and that we could hear him tell of the ways of the Lord. He was a humble man that when those that esteemed him were seeking for him to go first, he put himself in the back and and he put himself at a place of humility and he began to sweep the hair of those students. Reverend Kilgore was a man who understood shame and sackcloth. Can I tell you that the road to following Jesus will not promise you the materialistic ways of this world. In fact, you will give up many things to follow him. Fishermen gave up their nets in boats and they follow Jesus. We know them as the disciples. Your agenda and God's agenda cannot coexist. Throughout my walk with God, I've humbly been afforded the precious opportunity of standing before many great men of God. It was a few months ago that I got to meet a man by the name of C.P. Thomas. He's a man from India. He's baptized thousands, 30, 
35,000 Muslim people in the country of India. He is a man of great faith, a man that if he walked in the room, you would instantly recognize the anointing in the Holy Ghost that was upon him. I was afforded an opportunity to sit amongst a room of about 25 to 30 young ministers as he walked into the room, the hotel room of Stan Gleason at General Conference. He came to speak to us about the goodness and the ways of the Lord. As he walked in that room, many stood and they begin to applaud. They begin to stand as they honored this man of great faith, a man that had baptized by himself 35,000 people, a man that had accomplished many great things in the kingdom. He had seen things that no man would ever want to see. He had witnessed before his own eyes the, the, the human sacrifice sacrifice of a tribal nation. They sacrificed a woman unto their gods and he stood on the bloodied rock and he proclaimed the blood of Jesus. He's a man of great faith. A man that has seen things in God's kingdom that many will never live to see. We stood, we applauded and we gave honor to him. As he walked in that room he began to weep and and he found himself sitting in the chair. He said, please, please, please sit down. None of what God has done in my life is of the works of myself, but everything that God has done is of his works alone. He is the most humble man that, I, that I've ever met in my life. He stood there and he walked across that room. He ministered to each of the 30 young adults that were called of God that sat and stood in that place. He walked to one and walked to the other. He did not pray one group prayer, but he individually ministered to each of them. He's a man that had endured much trial. He is a true man of shame and sackcloth. He has endured the sacrifice of the ministry and seen many great things of God, highly esteemed in the kingdom, yet he is a man of sacrifice and sackcloth. In my walk with God, I've been privileged the opportunity to meet Reverend Lee Stone King. That name rings through the remnants of modern Pentecost. He stood before kings and kingdoms. He has addressed the UN assembly. God has done thousands and thousands of miracles through his ministry. He is a true man of God. When I met Reverend Stone King, it was after a service at a large church. Can I tell you that he talked with me and he prayed with me as if I was the greatest of those in the room and I was nothing. There were men in that room that were highly esteemed yet he is a man of shame sacrifice and sackcloth. He's known what it is to sacrifice for the Lord and though he is great in the kingdom he 
put himself at a position of smallness before each man. And he individually walked throughout that room and greeted and prayed with many in that congregation. When I was in Houston, Texas for, for, for the conference that, that this lovely church had sent me to to be a part of, I stood there as one of my favorite ministers of the gospel preached the word of God in a vibrant way that I had never heard before. I wept, I cried. There were hundreds and hundreds of people in the room that would have given anything for a moment with that man. At the conclusion of the message, I wanted him to pray for me. I stood aside as I watched as he sat himself on the edge of the platform. Others went to dinner, others went to the events hall to eat, yet he sat there until every single person that wanted to speak to him had spoken to him. I watched him as with diligence and kindness he spoke individually to each person. He didn't rush them off. He didn't hurry along his way. He is a man of sacrifice and sackcloth. We know the, the late Reverend Bishop Paul Price. He was a man that studied for his first sermon on an old wood table inside of a horse barn and had a first service on the front porch of a small little house. He was a man that when he died, my great-grandfather, he left no worldly possessions behind. He didn't leave monetary gain. He did not leave materialistic items, yet he left a legacy, a man of sacrifice and sackcloth. I mean not to embarrass him today, but I've watched my father as he's worked days, nights, morning, countless hours building a church with his own hands. On Sunday, we see him as the superhero. As Sunday, we expect him to bring the general conference message to each of us. On Sunday, we expect him to proclaim the word of God in a way we've never heard before. But what you don't see is on Monday through Saturday as he weeps for broken families, as he has tears for the broken marriages of those amidst our assembly, as he with his own hands and a team of people works hours and hours and comes home in pain literally grieving in his body a man of sacrifice and sackcloth. God is not looking for a man of great possessions. He is looking for someone willing to lay everything before him. Agendas, luxuries, plans, finances, things before him that many of us would never give up. He does not look for men of greatness and women of greatness. He looks for those of sacrifice and sacrifice. 
Everyone wants to be remembered. Tombstones memorialize the dead, seeking only to be thought of after their life. Can I tell you that if I died today, don't remember me. Remember what God has done. While some may live to make their own name great, we live to make God's name great. May I ask you, will people remember you for your flow charts and occupational advancements? Or will people remember you for your God? Will people remember you for the way you worked your way up the corporate ladder? Or will people remember you for that which you sacrificed for your God? Will people remember you for the brain the brand name suit in the beautiful home or will people remember you for the worn out shoes and the tears shed for souls will you be a man of luxury a woman of luxury or will you be a saint of sacrifice and sackcloth God purge us of our pride. Lord purge us of our humanistic desires, our ways of the world as we seek after monetary gain, as we seek after the applause of this, uh, of this world. Would you purge us of pride? Would you remove the pride of life, the pride of grace, the pride of man, the pride of luxuries, the pride of this flesh? Ministry is not a career choice. It's a call. Ministry is not an occupation. It's a call. The walk after God is not something you choose. It's a call. Matthew, a tax collector, gave up his riches to follow Jesus. It was this very man that wrote in Matthew chapter 10, verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Your luxuries will not follow you out of this world. Your riches will not go with you beyond this life. Your job promotion will fade away. Your wealth will stay on this earth. What are you holding on to? Are you a saint of luxury or are you a saint of sacrifice and sackcloth? Have you given everything to the Lord or are there things that you are still holding on to? May I ask you today in a metaphorical sense, what is in your purses? What, what, what is in your pockets? What is it that you hold on to that keeps you from fulfilling the walk of God. Luke chapter 18 tells us that there was a certain ruler saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest me good? None is good save one that is God. You see, he was testing the man. Notice the man never took back what it was he said. He had a revelation of who Jesus is. 
it goes on to say, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. The ruler said, and he said, all these things I have kept from my youth up. God, I've followed your commandments my entire life. God, I've followed after everything the preachers told me. I've done everything that's been preached on Sunday. I've followed your commandments. But will you take heed to what it is that Jesus says? Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto them, Yet lackest thou one thing sell all that thou hast and distribute it amongst the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come follow me and when he heard this he was very sorrowful for he was a very rich man it's not enough to simply obey what we hear on Sunday can I ask you today what was that one thing that one thing was not literally that every man should sell everything but that one thing was simply full surrender take up your cross and follow me sacrifice self and follow me remove selfishness and follow me Paul said it like this he said I die daily perhaps you've grown up walking with God Perhaps you've obeyed the commandments. Perhaps you've done all that you know to do. What if one thing keeps you from inheriting the kingdom of God? That one thing is not something that was taught to you on Sunday. That one thing was not a commandment given. But that one thing is total surrender. That one thing is total sacrifice. What? must you let go of then Peter said unto them lo ye have left we have left all and have followed thee and Jesus answered and said verily I say unto you this is no man that hath left there is no man that hath left houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels but he shall receive in hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first what must we reprioritize for his kingdom can I tell you what you're willing to sacrifice he will return 100 fold the hours sacrificed in prayer he will return 100 fold the hours sacrificed in fasting he will return 100 folds the set the hours sacrificed building a church he will return 100 fold the relationships that you had to put behind you to follow God he will return 100 fold the finances sacrificed when you gave to his kingdom he will return 100 fold 
the message of the gospel is not one of prosperity, but it is one of sacrifice that each day we would take up a cross, not striving after the ways of this world, not striving to climb the corporate ladder, not striving for the next applause, but striving after submission and sacrifice. I speak not all against any person that works a corporate job, but if anything stand in the way of his kingdom, let it be cast aside. If anything keeps you from inheriting the kingdom of God, let it be put behind you. It was was William Seymour that left all that he had, went to a city, moved to the city of Los Angeles. He had no belongings, no finances, no things, no relationships, yet he had the word of God. He was padlocked out of his own revival. He showed up to preach and they didn't want him there. That day he found a porch in a neighborhood and he began to preach the gospel to each person that would listen. I'll tell you that that platform of a porch did not feel like general conference. He did not stand in an arena and proclaim it to 23,000 people, but he stood on a porch and proclaimed it to those that would listen. Can I tell you that those that came were not the whole and not the rich. The reason that we hear of miracles at the Azusa Street Revival is because the broken showed up and the hurting showed up and the lost showed up. The least of those showed up. And he preached the gospel to the feeble-minded. He preached the gospel to the afflicted and the abused. He preached the gospel to those that would listen and God honored it. It grow as people begin to receive the Holy Ghost and they moved into a building that was home to a horse stable. If you read the historical records, many inaccurately call it a hotel. It was many years later that they would convert it into a hotel. But at that time, it was dirt floors and bare walls where thousands of people would come together in lift up the name of God. It was not one of padded pews and luxury but it was a road of sacrifice. Whatever we must lay down nothing shall stand in the way of God's kingdom. Whatever we must cast aside nothing shall stand in the way of inheriting God's kingdom in the same way that William Seymour lost he he walked away from everything that he knew perhaps he walked away from riches of this world perhaps there was a way he could have gone that would have led to the applause of man but that humble man lost everything he sat aside the past he sat aside all that he had he went to a city where he knew very few people 
people and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Perhaps you're at a place in your life that you're contemplating setting some things aside and giving up some things. Can I tell you that nothing you give up will return void. But when you sacrifice for God, God always gives it back. He does not give it in the ways of the world. He does not give it through riches. He does not give it through wealth and fame. But he gives it through the comfort and the love that is given to us by his name. It is that which I will give everything for. Lay down the ways of this world and give me his grace. Cast aside everything else and give me Jesus, take it all and give me Jesus. As the music comes today, I don't want us to rush into a time of singing. I want us to take heed to the word of the Lord. Would you stand with me humbly before the Lord? We love you, Jesus. God, purge us of pride. Lord, purge us of the ways of this world. Let us know what it means to sacrifice. Let us know what it means to give up everything, to follow after you. Every head bowed, every hand lifted in this place. I want you to ask the Lord, what is it that I must surrender can you ask God to that today would you lift your voice God what is that one thing in my life what is it that I must cast aside what career path must I put a stop to what relationship must I end what must I give up to follow after you I feel a deep spirit of repentance I feel a spirit of sacrifice would you step out of your pew and would you make your way to the front of this room with your hands lifted as a sign of surrender to God would you find a place of repentance we're giving it all to him today God we give you everything we sacrifice all that we are we sacrifice the ways of this world come on lift your voice let's humbly stand before the Lord and repent